0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Help Me Think. In May this year, my husband and I decided to take a trip to Costa Rica for an ayahuasca retreat. Now, I know some of you might be scratching your heads wondering, what the heck is ayahuasca? Well, I will break that down for you after we take a few moments to acknowledge our title sponsor, Business Furniture. Help Me Think is sponsored by Business Furniture, a 100-year-old organization focusing on innovation since 1922. That's right, you heard me correctly. Business Furniture just celebrated its 100th anniversary of creating spaces where people can work better, learn better, and feel better. They truly are the experts when it comes to creating spaces where employees can show up and do their best thinking and best work. As you all know, Hybrid work has gone mainstream and it's one of the biggest economic and cultural changes facing leaders today. Most organizations that choose hybrid work are trying to offer a balance between the flexibility that people want and the need to bring employees together to foster collaboration and innovation. And these guys know how to do it. So let Business Furniture help build a sense of community for your company. Check them out at businessfurniture.net. And now, back to our episode. Welcome back. So, what is ayahuasca? Ayahuasca is a plant spirit medicine that can bring about healing and transformation in people's lives. It is this potent, psychoactive brew made from plants found in the Amazon rainforest. And it's got some seriously deep healing and spirit boosting effects. The use of ayahuasca goes way back, like over 2,000 years as a healing modality among the native people of the Amazon. It's been a total mystery to scientists and anthropologists for centuries, and they continue to be intrigued by it. Now, in the Amazon, they call it La Medicina, and it's typically administered during healing ceremonies led by highly trained shamans called ayahuascaros. Let me tell you, my experience with ayahuasca was something else. It was deeply spiritual and life-changing, and it transformed me in ways... That I can't even put into words. The healing power of ayahuasca is just so deep and incredibly potent. Studies have shown that it can support brain health, increase mindfulness, help with addiction and mood disorders, and improve one's overall well-being and quality of life. And this may be the reason why, for Westerners, ayahuasca is like the equivalent of a year's worth of therapy. It's pretty much like therapy on steroids. However, it is not a substitute for therapy. In fact, upon our return from the retreat, I made sure that I booked several sessions with my therapist to fully process my experience so I could successfully reintegrate back into a world that had not changed, even though I had. Now, for several years, Brian and I had been thinking about and and wanting to go to an ayahuasca retreat. Then one night in March, Uh, It felt right for both of us, so we made a reservation for a May retreat at New Life Ayahuasca in Costa Rica. A link to New Life Ayahuasca is in the show notes. Soon thereafter, we had an opportunity to speak with Matt Marmello and Janae White, the owners of New Life Ayahuasca, and after those conversations, we knew we had made the right choice. Matthew and Janae have been working with plant medicine since 2014. As ayahuascaros, a.k.a. shamans, Matt and Janae have personally led between eight to nine hundred ceremonies. They've been traditionally trained in Iquitos, Peru, where they've completed many master plant dietas. In fact, when this episode airs, they will be in Iquitos with their teacher completing a three month dieta. And you're going to hear all about that in this episode. In addition to what you learn about them during this episode, links to the show notes will take you to their stories where you can read even more about their journeys. So after our retreat, my husband and I were so psyched that we started sharing our experiences with everyone, friends, family, you name it. They had tons of questions. And and so we thought, why not invite our shamans, Matt and Janae, on the show to answer them all, especially what is ayahuasca and would it be right for me? So I asked my husband, Brian Seifert, to co-host this episode with me. Since we experienced ayahuasca together, I knew his insight and curiosity would be a fantastic addition to what I knew was going to be a robust discussion. And I wasn't wrong. He added a lot to the conversation. We kind of went all over the place, however, during our chat. So if you're more of a linear thinker, you might find it a bit tricky to keep up. But don't worry, I got you covered. I whipped up a super handy informational worksheet that covers all the different topics we talked about. It's got extra info to tie everything together neatly. You can find the link to download it right in the show notes, so check it out now. Lastly, a big shout out to the amazing souls who were with us during the retreat. Kelly, Nick, Michael, Alessandra, Christian, Chris and Megan, Dave and Maddie, Jerry and Charlene. And of course, Matt and Janae's incredible assistants, Craig and Lena, who helped make this a life-changing, transformational experience for Brian and me. All of you, you guys rock, and we dedicate this episode to all of you. So sit back, relax, enjoy this fun and informative conversation with Iowa Scarrows extraordinaire, Matt Mormello and Janae White. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Help Me Think podcast. Today, my guests are Matt Marmello and Janae White, the owners of New Life Ayahuasca in Costa Rica. Matthew and Janae have been working in plant medicine since 2014 and have been traditionally trained in Iquitos, Peru, where they've completed many master plant dietas. As ayahuascaros, Matt and Janae have personally led between eight to 900 ceremonies, and it was through their ceremonial work that they met and forged their love and ultimately started New Life Ayahuasca in Costa Rica. Welcome, my friends. I can't, I just can't tell you how comforting it is to see your faces and to hear your voices. I just no, like
1: it's great to see you having us, guys. Yeah, yeah. nice yeah. to see you guys too. Thank
0: you for having us on your podcast. I have to introduce my co-host today because I normally don't have a co-host. But uh, <laughs> today, my special co-host is my husband Brian Seifert. And for those of you that are listening to the podcast, Brian and I went through um, or or experienced ayahuasca together, and I thought that his insight today would add to a robust discussion, so I have my husband here. Welcome, my love. Good to be here. And with that, I (laughs) want to get started because today, ultimately, what I want to do with this conversation is to introduce to my listeners... Um, ayahuasca, I know for a lot of people listening, they have no idea what ayahuasca is. And so what I wanted to do today is just kind of talk about the ayahuasca experience, share a little bit about what that experience is all about, and um, make sure that I uh, create an environment where we can answer questions that you might have and ultimately give our, our listeners Everything that they would need to know or everything that they should be thinking about in order to uh, make a decision as to whether or not ayahuasca is right for them. And I thought, who better to have that conversation with than our ayahuascaros who led a life-changing experience for both Brian and I in May. So with that, guys, let's just jump right in. Um, I think a great place to start is when somebody asks you, what is ayahuasca? How do you go about answering that?
1: You want to an answer or you want me to answer?
0: <laughs> you can answer.
1: Um, so ayahuasca is, is a vine and a, a plant, a leaf of a plant mixed together. Um, the, the active alkaloid in ayahuasca is DMT. And uh, DMT is responsible for, for visions, Um, so the vine acts as an MAO inhibitor. It's really crazy when you talk about this because, you know, thousands of years ago, somebody figured this out. And well, the answer to that is that, you know, if you ask somebody, they tell you that the plants told them how to do it. So the, the vine acts as an MAO inhibitor. So normally your stomach produces an enzyme that will break down DMT before it ever gets into your bloodstream. So when you mix the vine with, with, a, with a leaf that's high concentrate DMT, the vine stops your stomach from producing that enzyme so that the DMT from the from the leaf can get into your bloodstream and you can have a visionary experience
0: And so let's talk a little bit about why that visionary experience is so important to people and why and maybe even why way way back in the day it started it, it, it started out as plant medicine which still today it's plant medicine right like Mm -hmm. so why do we call it plant medicine and ultimately why did why do people gravitate to it you go um well plant medicines are
2: teachers that uh exist on the earth and they're here to help us help us heal and help us learn and help us coexist on the planet that that we live on And so I think people gravitate towards it because there's a lot of distrust in the pharmaceutical industry. The pharmaceutical industry in the modern medical field has failed many people in their pursuits to seek uh, long-term healing that's not just symptom management or, um, you know, medications that temporarily relieve some form of suffering but come with a whole host of side effects or long-term effects um, down the road. Whereas plant medicines offer people a chance to reflect on their traumas in a way that they're not able to either through conventional therapy or through the modern medical field and um, kind of integrate what they experience through this like nature experience into their lives so that they don't have to continue treating symptoms, they can actually address the root cause of some issues to find long-term relief. So that they can move forward into their lives, um, you know, and live live the way that they want to live and embrace a life that they are happy with.
3: Before we Before we move on, I just I, I want I want to circle back to something that Matt said and, and uh, just kind of reiterate what we're talking about. I think you said Matt that. Um, it, initially it was the plants calling to put this vine and, and these leaves together um the, the scope of that though is uh it, we're, we're talking about the the, the amazonian rainforest and yep. there's tens of thousands of species of plants to think that somebody came up with this vine and that leaf and put them together almost on their own the odds of that seem almost impossible um so yeah, and and I just wanted to point that out that what what Matt was talking about was um, the odds of that are, are pretty unlikely. So the, the logical solution would be that the plans called to somebody initially and uh, came up with that.
1: It does. It sounds a little crazy. I understand that. Um, but then when when you go, me and Janae will go for our trainings and we do what's called the dieta. Um, so you basically, you know, you eat a very strict diet. You're you don't have any electricity, no internet, no no distractions. You're out in the Amazon jungle. So after a period of time of doing this, um, you get really connected to the to the what your surroundings, the Amazon jungle, certain plants, whatever plants that you're dieting, and these plants actually do start to communicate with you. So. and that that's after uh, a 30 day diet. So, you know, if you can imagine being born that way and growing up that way, and, you know, it's been, you're alive for 35 years and that's the only life you've ever known, no electricity, no internet, you know, you're very connected to your surroundings, you're living uh, in, in balance with nature. There's probably a, a, a pretty, um, detailed line of communication between you and your your environment.
0: And what going back to what Janae had mentioned earlier, what I have found fascinating ever since Brian and I started hearing about ayahuasca is that we're not talking about adding anything that is man-made to the brew. The brew is all plant medicine, and yet for years people in the amazon uh, amazon excuse me and and even today are using this to treat things that otherwise here in the western world we can't treat with man-made products And, and so i just i find it absolutely fascinating that we've got these plants they exist and and they can be used not just to treat um Well, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the Western world and and, and how how the Western world's using it and how that kind of differs in in, you know, how the, um, you know, people in Peru and Costa Rica and those countries are using it because um, it's not just there to help us break through barriers, which is kind of the reason that I was there and I wanted to use ayahuasca, but it's, it's there to treat mental and physical ailments that if we really rely on this plant medicine, it, it can help us in ways that no man-made substance could help us. Right. Am I, am I thinking correctly about that? Or how would you fix what I just said or correct it or, or expand on it? <laughs> yeah. i will take that one.
1: <laughs> well, um, yeah. I, I the, So I, the, the Western medical model, maybe it's helpful for some people for some things. And so I don't, I mean, there's, There's been a lot of things that are, you know, have have taken us in a good direction from that model. So it just seems to be maybe in the last 30 years or so, um, whatever's happened uh, is becomes more about um, treating symptoms and not actually get into the root cause of the issue. So. Yeah, I mean, ayahuasca, maybe it's, ayahuasca is not so much used for physical healing in, in that way, in the way that people think of it. Ayahuasca is used to get to the root cause of the issue so that you can take the steps that are necessary to heal yourself with a diet or whatever the information that you get uh, from ayahuasca. So ayahuasca is kind of just like a, uh, a source of information, not really So much used for physical healing, but you take that information and you apply it in your life so you can achieve whatever physical healing that you're looking for.
0: Yeah. Well, that I mean, that makes sense because I know that just kind of transitioning it maybe a little bit to the ayahuasca experience for a second. One of the first um, Mm -hmm. like our experience with new life started. The moment Brian pressed send on your website to say, you know, we want to make a reservation and then you guys made a phone call and that phone call was all about um, um, a medical assessment. To make sure that physically we were ready for this kind of um, experience, and, and in that medical assessment, ultimately you were talking to us about the things that we needed to prepare ourselves for the experience. So there was work we had to do before. It wasn't like we were just going to show up and and in. Uh, it, it, experience ayahuasca and everything was going to be fine. There was some prep work that we had to do. Will you talk just a little bit more about what that prep work looks like when, when you're getting ready for a, for an ayahuasca experience? Like you
2: said, the first thing that we do is a a medical screening because there's certain things that we look for to see if ayahuasca is a good fit. Um, You know, a lot of the things that we have now uh, uh, or that we, we look for with medications and stuff you know, when ayahuasca was originally used, those weren't necessarily concerns that came up in the jungle. So now we have to kind of modify our approach to see what is safe because there are uh, interactions with ayahuasca through certain psychological conditions and also certain medications that we need to be careful of. So we go through and look at that um, just to make sure that ayahuasca is a good fit. And then when somebody gets medical clearance, then the preparation um, it depends on the individual. There's a diet that we like people to follow um, just to kind of help clear out the system a little bit to help you to help your body be more prepared to go into the experience, which can be very difficult physically. So we want to minimize the impact that some foods can have like red meat and dairy on the process um, of just like the physical absorption and digestion and the purge and all of that. And then there's other things like that we want to try to do to prepare ourselves mentally, you know, which can include um, some kind of uh, electronic fasting, you know, or just being more aware of what we consume because we're consuming every, uh, every moment of every day with our phones, with our food, with our relationships. And so just to become more mindful about what we are putting into our systems, into our bra- into our brains, and into our body before we go into this experience.
0: Yeah, and that, that circles right back to what Matt was saying in that um, we've got to prepare our, mi- our minds and our bodies for the information that, that ayahuasca is gonna uh, ultimately reveal to us.
3: And it was, yeah. it was that initial conversation that we had with you guys that made us super comfortable leaving the country to go do this. Um, mm-hmm. we, we knew that we were in good hands. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that impressed me was it, it wasn't a, a sales call. You guys weren't trying to sell us. If anything, you were trying to talk us out of it. Yeah. And, and, and that's what made us so comfortable coming down there. We knew we'd be in good hands once we got to Costa Rica. So thanks for that. I, I don't know if we talked about that when we were down there or not. But um, yeah, we were, we were both really impressed because we talked to you separately.
0: Brian did most of the research on what our options would be in Costa Rica. And uh, he narrowed down the options to uh, at least two, maybe even three retreats and, then shared, and shared them with me. And I, when I landed, I looked at your website, I, my immediate thought was, well, these are, these two are
1: Americans.
0: (laughs) And, and immediately I was like, but are shamans supposed to be Americans? And, And then after researching and reading more about your story on the website, I soon got past that, but that really begs the question, how do two individuals like yourself find yourself in Costa Rica um as americans but definitely well-trained highly trained shamans uh, ayahuascaros doing what you're doing so let's just pause for a moment and maybe back up a little bit and talk about the path that led you to where you are right now and doing the wonderful work that you're doing
1: so we we both were we're heroin addicts we didn't know each other but we we both came to costa rica for treatment for heroin addiction we wound up in the in the same facility which I always say this kind of as a joke, but it's like the worst possible beginning to a relationship, like to meet at rehab, that never works out. So if you're listening and that's happened, <laughs> you don't trust it.
3: Sounds like it wouldn't be ideal for sure. <laughs>
0: um, Somehow or another it worked for you guys. So yeah. that's, that's what I want to know. How in the heck did that work?
1: <laughs> so originally um, we came down for, for a plant called the boga, which comes from West Africa. It's, it's a uh, also a visionary plant. But it has a, a, an ability to stop the physical withdrawal symptoms from opiates. That's what they say. That's kind of how it's marketed. I, my 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 experience with ibogaine or aboga is not really that. I feel like more it knocks you into another dimension so far that you're just not aware of your what your physical body's going through in that moment. So yeah, because I mean you're still definitely when you come back to, to this reality, uh, you still have withdrawal symptoms. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, so that, yeah, that's how we met. And we were both, we both got offered volunteer positions at this Aboga place. So we stayed and worked there for a while. And, um, well, Janae's experience with Aboga was a little different than mine. So that's kind of how we wound up drinking ayahuasca for the first time because of Janae's, uh, lack of experience with a boga, but i i I can let her take it from there since that's about
2: yeah so um you know i had done all the traditional (laughs) well we both have done a lot of the traditional options for drug addicts within the united states you know like rehabs 12-step programs and suboxone and methadone programs and all that stuff and so um when i found out about I began. Well, my my family researched it for me. My mom and my sister like really put in the legwork for that. I wasn't really sure that I that I was ready to stop using drugs because I was really scared of what life would be like without them and what life would feel like without them. Because Mm -hmm. you know, I started using drugs because I was very very sad and very lost and uh, had a lot of self loathing and um, just in a really bad place. So I was scared of going back to that but obviously I didn't like living as a drug addict. And so I thought, okay, I'll try this and see, see if it helps. And it, I didn't, I mean, I didn't really feel, I didn't have any kind of visionary experience really at all. I was still in pretty severe withdrawal throughout most of it. It did reduce the amount of withdrawal that I experienced, but, um, it was still really uncomfortable. And so afterwards I just felt like really defeated and like, Um, like, okay. Even what they say is the world's most powerful, you know, psychedelic that's supposed to put you under for like 36 hours. And I'm just like walking around smoking cigarettes, having conversations because I didn't really feel much. And, um, I just, at that moment felt like, okay, I'm just destined to be a junkie forever. Like this is, this is what my life is going to be because, I can't, nothing, nothing is giving me relief. And I didn't go back home right away because I knew that I would just end up using. And Matt had told me that there was a place that he had drank ayahuasca once before. And he was like, Hey, you should try this. Maybe it'll help you. And I, I had never even heard of it at that time. I didn't know what it was, but, um, I just kind of was open to any, trying anything that, that might help. And I went into it, like, kind of I, I didn't have I didn't like I wasn't prepared I don't think going into it and maybe that's the way it needed to happen for me but um I just kind of went into it cocky like thinking that because began didn't do anything for me that this was also not going to do anything it was so intense that it was like disorienting and it took me a, a long time to even really understand what had happened and And then after that first experience, Matt and I kept going and drinking more. And it was through like the first, maybe my first five experiences that I, for the first time in my life, had felt any relief from like the constant oppressive pain, like mental pain that I had experienced for, you know, the last 15 years of my life. And um, I was just amazed because I had always thought that that happy people were we're pretending, and that it wasn't real, and um, and so I finally got a glimpse into like what what real joy felt like, what real gratitude felt like, what it felt like to be like actually connected to your feelings, and not not just be like crushed under a weight of darkness. And so that was, I mean, ultimately life changing for me. And was that
3: was that your first ceremony? You had those experiences.
2: Um, it was like a, a culmination over the first five. The first one was so intense that I couldn't actually make sense out of anything that was happening in the ceremony, like, well, Mm -hmm. ceremony. (laughs) And, and so, but when I started to come out of it and I was trying to process like what I had just experienced by fire, I started having these thoughts of reflection about like, where i was in that moment and i've said this story before so apologies if you've heard it but after my first ceremony i was sitting out by this fire just processing and thinking and really actually realizing for the first time that i was like in costa rica and i was participating in something very sacred and special and unique that so many people will not get to experience Mm -hmm. and i thought about where i had come from just like a month prior and how quickly things can change and how much people can change and I just felt really really grateful for the place that I was in and then I felt like a lot of compassion for the people that I knew back in Chicago that were still in the same place I was and I just felt like in my heart that I knew that I was never going to be in that place again.
0: Wow. wow. That's fascinating. I I, I, find, I yeah, I just find it fascinating that the first or second ceremony can have that kind of an impact on people. But it does. Yeah. I mean, my, I, I always tell my friends like when they're like, well, tell me about your experience. I'm like, do you have three hours? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to take me three hours to explain just the two ceremonies that I experienced yeah. and what that experience is like <laughs> and how it has changed me. Uh, change the way that I think it changes my outlook. And, and, and I, I totally agree with you on that, that happiness. Like, I I love that you said, I just thought happy people were faking it, (laughs) but I mean, my gosh, I've been on this earth 50 years and I still, to this day, I I tell Brian over and over again, he's probably getting tired of hearing it. But, and, and I tell my friends after the second ceremony, I felt happiness. Like I had never felt before. And it was, it was real. And mm-hmm. even now, to this day, when I meditate um, and, you know, med- part of the meditation <laughs> that I'm following, you know, it tells you to to really think about the what you want to feel, the feelings that you want to hold on to and that you want to live. I go right back to the end of that second ceremony where we're all around the campfire and I couldn't stop smiling. I couldn't mm-hmm. stop telling people I love them. I couldn't stop. <laughs> people, and I just there was so much happiness that I I I, I just wish I would have figured out early, you know, earlier than age 50 (laughs) on how to feel that way. I
2: do think it's important to note though, because like hearing, hearing that story in a vacuum makes it sound like, Oh, you know, that cured me of my drug addiction. And it certainly did not. I mean, it gave me a, it gave me a very beautiful um, window into the possibility of a life that could exist if I chose it. And then I had to change things in my life, which was really fucking hard. And, you know, it took a long time. It wasn't like I woke up the next day and I was just like, oh, I don't want to use drugs and oh, life is happy. And I found the secret to life. Like I got these little tiny pieces that were like, you know, almost like teasing me. Like, don't you want to, don't you want to know more? Don't you want to see what this could be? And then like dangling the carrot in front of my face. So I have to take a couple steps of work to get to that next opening and then a little bit and a little bit further. Um, but I just want to be very clear that it's not just like something that you do and not all your problems go away and that right. you just are a different person, like completely immediately afterwards.
1: That can, I mean, that is a possibility of things that can happen with ayahuasca. Like Ron always says with ayahuasca, all things are possible. That is true. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. That's my teacher. He always says that. And it, it is true, but, you know, we we always want people to have uh, realistic expectations because, you know, you the miracles thing or whatever you hear about. I mean, yes, maybe it happens sometimes, but that is not that's not the, that's the exception. It's not the rule. So, you know, most of the time, ayahuasca, if it works for you, it's most likely going to be a very long path in, in your life. It's mm-hmm. not going to be I went to this retreat. Uh, for one week and my whole life has changed. You're you're going to go down that path with ayahuasca and probably continue your work with that. Whether that means once a year, once every two years, once every five years, maybe dietas, who knows, but it's a healing modality. It's just like I've said this many times, yoga or martial arts or meditation. You don't just go meditate for a week or do yoga for a week and then you're just like this fucking sure. awesome guru. You know, it's something that you continue to work with and you continue to grow and you change and then things come up that, that you want to work on and you change those things and you grow some more, but things will always come up and they will always need to be dealt with. And ayahuasca is just one way to uh, one modality to achieve that kind of healing.
3: Also, oh, sorry. yeah, I, I, I think it's also important to, to understand um not all experiences were like Starla's that, that second time around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Matt, you and I talked, um, and and you cautioned that ayahuasca will humble you if you don't have the right attitude. Can you chat about that um, and, and, and maybe uh, give some examples of, of how you can be humbled with ayahuasca? I think uh, I got a little bit of a glimpse of that. I don't know if you remember my experience. That second ceremony was uh, a little bit different than Starla's. Um, <laughs> But uh, it was still uh, a, a good experience. I just didn't have the, the, the happy vibes that Starla had when I was done. But uh, maybe talk about ways ayahuasca can humble you if you don't have the right attitude.
1: Yeah. So, so with ayahuasca and, and all things in life, it's important to always remember that there is a balance. And yes, you can have those beautiful, very loving you know, uh, ceremonies. they are just nothing but love and happiness but you know sometimes within ourselves like i was just saying there's always things that need to be worked on sometimes things are there longer than others so sometimes ayahuasca has a way of showing you those things and it's not so it's not so pleasant because a lot of times you people don't change myself mostly i'm always usually talking about myself when i'm talking about these kind of things uh i don't change unless i get my ass stomped into the ground and otherwise i just i say yeah okay I'll, I'll deal with that later but so i have been humbled many times in that regard with ayahuasca also you know that's why i say it's it's important to remember that with ayahuasca there's a balance so just because you've had 5 very lovely ceremonies in a row doesn't mean the sixth one's going to go that way too.
3: And <laughs> actually you could have your, your yeah. ass handed to you.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and you know that we're coming back in November and I've been thinking about that because and I certainly let me, I, I just want to make a, a, a clarification here. I don't want to give the illusion that I had those two ceremonies and everything's perfect because I, I, when I catch myself slipping that meditation, I use those ceremonies to take myself back. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. let's go back to everything that happened during those two ceremonies because I can feel myself slipping into old thought processes or old old behaviors they are trying to creep back in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I know that this is this is a journey that I'm gonna be on until until I'm you know six feet up.
3: I very much am ready for the <laughs> the, the unicorns and rainbows on my my. Nest. <laughs> okay,
0: so you guys found yourself in Costa Rica. You were both dealing with heroin addiction. Um, you had both tried a boga and had different experiences, but it, it it sounds like that there was a gravitational pull over to ayahuasca. So, Matt, how did you, how did you become familiar with ayahuasca since you had, you had went down there for a different plant medicine?
1: Yeah, well, I had heard about ayahuasca at the same time I had heard about a boga. It was on a, a show on TV that they did about psychedelics on National <laughs> Geographic. So, um, so that's I'd heard about both. I was initially very attracted to ayahuasca, not so much a boga, which I later learned why because I didn't really have much of a connection with a boga. But I, I couldn't I couldn't take ayahuasca in the condition I was in. I had to get off the the opiates first. Um, so a mm-hmm. boga was was a plant medicine that was known for that. So. That, that was why I initially wound up there, but I, I always felt very much more connected to ayahuasca since I heard about both of them. So when I finished my, I began treatment, I found a place or actually the, there was a chef that worked at the Aboga place. He told me that, about this ayahuasca place that was maybe about an hour and a half away from where we were at. So I went there with him for the first time and then with, with Janae for the second time. And, um, I, I think I the first time I drank it, I knew very, very strongly um, that I was very connected to, to the ayahuasca for whatever reason. Felt uh, very, just very loving. Probably at the time I needed a very loving experience because I hated myself at the time. I had like maybe 40 days clean, you know, just come off a 15 year uh, heroin addiction. So I didn't have a lot uh, in my I didn't have a lot to be proud of myself about. Let's put it that way. So ayahuasca gave me a whole lot of love and it was really kind of what I needed. And I, I knew I didn't know how, but I knew I wanted to work with ayahuasca. I didn't know how I was going to make that happen, but I just knew that that's what I wanted.
0: As you probably read in my testimonial, you guys are the real deal. <laughs> and, you know, you take what you're doing incredibly seriously you are well trained and you can tell how much care and love and intentionality goes into what you do on a daily basis um, and the experience that you're providing. So how did you get to that place that you were able to do that? What was the path from where we just ended to now?
1: The hard way, yeah. as usual. <laughs>
0: and thank you very much for all the lovely yeah, things. Very, kind, very words. kind Thank you. Um, well, I mean it. So it's true. <laughs> yeah,
3: we we were talking before. Um, you know, we couldn't imagine uh going somewhere else. And I think we talked about it when we were down that that, you know, we were just as much as we were called to ayahuasca, I, I feel like we were called to you guys to kind of be our, our guides for that. So thank you for mm-hmm. that again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us Great. that path. Tell us about the really hard path. <laughs>
3: Well,
1: we, we wanted to work with ayahuasca. We, me and Janae at the time were fast forward a little bit. We're, we're working with Iboga. the boga. The aboga place went out of business. We're work. So me and Janae, were working with heroin addicts, uh, doing detoxing them using aboga. Um, we're, we are we were working, doing those, uh, treatments at the ayahuasca place where we had been drinking. Um, so he would take a week and, and do ayahuasca cheat. And then the next week he would give the facility to us to do a boga. So we would switch back and forth. Um, the, the ceremonies at that place I've had, I've said this before, I've had some very, very beautiful, profound experiences at that place. So I am eternally grateful that that place was there but they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Mm-hmm. They the the ceremony consisted of a CD player that played for 3 hours and maybe they sat down there for an hour, hour and a half, make sure you know nothing went off in that hour and a half at least and then they would just go to bed. Wow. Um, yeah, so but like I said, I'm very grateful for that place, but we so we didn't know at the time. We were just like, oh, we could do this, you know, like we could play a CD and we wanted this to work with ayahuasca and we thought maybe we could do that. So we reached out to a friend of ours who had been in Peru for six months, um, already and he was doing some work with ayahuasca. So we asked him to put us in touch with somebody. Maybe that would sell us ayahuasca or come do ceremonies in Costa Rica or, you know, just a connection so we could like open up a line of communication, communication with somebody down there and try to get something going. Um, so he introduced us to our teacher now, Ron, uh, Ron Wheelock. They call him the gringo shaman. And he's been living in Iquitos for about 30 years now. So he introduced us and and he was supposed to come do ceremonies for us in Costa Rica. He didn't make it. So we wound up going to Peru to drink ayahuasca with Ron. And we were like, oh, shit, this is like how it's supposed to be done. We are like, you know, we, we I mean, we've seen YouTube videos and stuff, but yeah. We really got to see, like, this, you know, this is how it's supposed to be done. But we still, even though we knew that, we still approached it the wrong way. We came back. We had some ayahuasca. We start, you know, giving people ayahuasca and, and just playing recorded music. We had a gong and a meditation bowl. But we really approached it, approached it with without much care and respect, which we paid for dearly. Uh, in the years to come and i'm
2: gonna interject because i <laughs> i disagree uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i think that there was a number of contributing factors the biggest one of which was our options were always we need to figure out a way to make this work yeah. or we're going home and right. we're going to be drug addicts again so it was either like like we knew we we even in the beginning, I feel like the more that we do this work, the more we understand. And each time we go for diet, I always have some kind of revelation while I'm there. Like, holy shit. Like just when you think you've kind of got it figured out this whole new fucking portal opens and you just have to go so much deeper and learn so much more. So at the time, like, yeah, we had probably drink ayahuasca 50 or a hundred times. And we had, you know, our we had pro- experienced benefit from it. So our hearts were in the right place and that we wanted to share this and that we wanted to work with it. But we were broke. Like we were, you know, had been heroin addicts. We didn't have any money. We didn't have any yeah. resources.
1: At this point in time, we had like probably nine months or maybe a year clean. No,
2: it's like a year and a half.
1: Oh, was it? Yeah. So, it was like still, still pretty early on.
2: Hey, and have- you
3: were volunteering at the retreats, right? So you were just pretty much working for room and board at the time. Is that right?
2: Yeah. Pretty, well,
1: well it, at the Aboga place. Then when we went off on the and worked at the ayahuasca place doing aboga stuff, we were we were on our yeah. own.
2: Gotcha. And then when we finally but we had for the first year and a half we worked with various partners because like I said, we didn't have any means to do it on our on our own or or the the experience to really be doing it on our own. So we always had some partners and for the first year and a half we just kept getting screwed every which way on every kind of people that we worked with. It was always ended up badly. And it got to a point where we were like, well, what do we do? We could try to do this on our own, or we can keep working with partners who just keep stealing and fucking us over. And we get in bad situations and that's bad for not just us, but for the people that are coming, you know, and we're, we're finally like, got to a point where it was through a loan from my parents that we were able to put a down payment and first month's rent on a place so that we could actually start trying to do something on our own. And that was when we, that was when we really put all of our efforts into new life um, as our own business and our own baby. And for the first two years, we didn't take a break. We were doing a boga, we were doing ayahuasca, <laughs> we were working back to back. We were taking people whenever we could they could. We didn't have a schedule, We just said, Come, come. Yeah, Whatever you they can call, come, please come. Yeah, because
1: we didn't have much of a website at the time. So yeah. somebody would call and we were just like, Yeah, when can you yeah. come? We didn't have that many people calling us.
2: And so for the first year, you know, we started we were just working as much as we could to survive to be able to stay in Costa Rica while trying to save enough money that we can invest in going to Peru again and developing more of a relationship with Ron and learning how to do it in a really, um, you know, respectful way and in a responsible way. Mm -hmm. And when we, the first year, I mean, we were taking like one or two people at a time. So it took, quite a while for us to get our feet on the ground and then we that was when we started really as soon as we had enough of a financial buffer that we could afford to go to Peru and take time off to do these diets is when we started to do it
1: so I what I guess what you're saying is our intentions were good but nonetheless not the correct way to to approach working with ayahuasca
0: yeah but you you were figuring it out with what you had yeah. where others would have just thrown in the towel and given up. And, and, and you guys knew that that, that al- wasn't your ultimate destiny, but you also knew that getting to wherever you wanted to be, it wasn't going to be a beautiful, easy road, that you were just going to have to figure it out the best you could. And, and, and I, I have a deep amount of respect for that. And doing it that
2: way taught us a lot, because we mm-hmm. learned a lot of valuable lessons during that time. Um, about doing it the wrong way and about hard doing lessons. it the right way.
1: Really hard, hard
2: <laughs> yeah, And,
3: and okay. that was like 2014, 2015 is when you guys were going through that? Or was that... Yeah, it was
2: yeah. 2015. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah.
1: And then I'm actually... So th- this three-month diet that we're going on uh, here in like three weeks is actually the all this stuff coming to a head on my last diet where I just kept getting like really, really hammered in the ceremonies. So I, I was basically on my knees one night begging ayahuasca, please tell me why you're doing this and what can I do to fix it? Tell me what's happened tell me, please, please. I was just like begging like that. And finally she said, you didn't think you were going to get away with doing this work all these years without approaching me with the proper respect. You, you know, now you're paying for that price. And I said, okay, tell me what I have to do to fix it. Three-month diet. Just like that. <laughs> so
0: well, here we yeah. are. let's let's talk about that, that three-month diet, because that's part of your training, right? As a shaman. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so how long have you guys been training to do to, to be a, a shaman and to lead these ceremonies in a responsible way? And what does that look like? Because I know when you were talking about it when we were there at the retreat, I was like, holy smokes.
3: Yeah, that's this is, not
0: easy stuff
3: this will be your first three-month diet is that right you, you're good at yeah, you so normally
1: we, yeah normally we go for like 15 or 30 days and that's that's the normal you know you do stints of so 15 30 days uh, you know some people go longer some people go less but you you do this it's a process mm-hmm. you do it continually over probably the rest of your life Um to, to continue to further your training with, with ayahuasca and open up a line of communication between you and the plants that you're working with. Um, so normally uh, some people do three month diets, but normally it's, it's less than that. So this is, this is my or our penance <laughs> to show ayahuasca that we, or me, that I am very sorry. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to, um, To make that right.
2: And Matt started going down because like the first when we first started doing this work, like I said, it was kind of like um, you either you either step into this. Well, for Matt, it was me saying basically you step into that role or we go home. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because and I didn't even know I didn't know like what was just waiting to come out of him. Like, I remember the, the first time I heard him sing and obviously it's evolved and, and he has fine tuned what he does to a really remarkable degree now. But when even the first time I heard him sing, I was like, where did that come from? I didn't even know that that existed inside of you, you know, and it just like came out. And then from there is probably what, like six years ago you did, you started doing diets. Yeah. And it was like, like I said, kind of dependent on our financial situation. And it was only like these last three, four years that we've gotten pretty consistent and stable with our business and getting fully booked and being able to have more flexibility to take three months off, like we're about to, to go do diet. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, he would go once or twice a year and I would go with him sometimes, but I, at the time didn't have I don't know if it was not an interest in doing the ceremonial work, but it was. I didn't. I didn't believe that I was capable of doing it, and so I just shied away from it. I said, "I'll handle the website and the administration, and you go, you go to the jungle and have fun, and I'll see you later."
1: <laughs> um,
2: yeah. yeah, and then the
1: opposite of fun. <laughs> and
2: then about two and a half years, I started going with him and like realized the benefit of it. But going down there, like. And being um, in the jungle without any electricity on like this super strict diet, it's, it's very difficult, but you learn so much in such a short period of time. I mean, they say, they say, you hear the, 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 like, I lost this 10 years of therapy in one night. Well, going to the jungle for a week, I feel like taught me more about myself, even in that first diet that I did, than all of my previous ayahuasca experiences had. There's a real magic down to do like doing that there in the jungle. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I can I can only imagine. So for our listeners who don't know what you mean, when you say diet, can you give us a little insight into what what is actually happening when you're going to the jungle and you're, you're engaged in this dieta. Well, you handle that
1: one. <laughs> so so um, yeah. So when you go to the diets, you, you go off into the jungle. Uh, we go to Ron's camp and there's no electricity. There's no plumbing. Uh, it's very, very, very rustic, um, but you're, you're in the jungle. There's no distractions. There's no phones. There's no internet. So you, you eat a really strict diet, you eat uh, beans, rice, uh, chicken, you can have fish, potato, but no salt, no sugar, no spices of any kind, no fruit, no vegetables, no caffeine, no sex, no masturbation, basically anything that you want to do, just it's off the list. <laughs> um so you you do that, and you drink ayahuasca twice a week, and you also ingest a a, a plant along with that. Usually, it's in a drink. Uh, depending on on what it is that you're there for, um, will depend on the the plant that you're dieting. So in in what kind of what I was talking about earlier, when you when you deprive yourself of you know anything that gives you any kind of pleasure or like acts on your whatever dopamine or receptors in your brain that, you know, start firing and you don't have any distractions. You can open up a line of communication with that, that other plant, that whatever that is that you're working with at that time. And that plant will come in and teach you things depending on what the plant is and what you're there for, teach you things. Well, they, they can be used for, for defense and ceremonies. If you're being attacked, you can call in the spirit of these plants to come in and help you defend yourself Um, there's plants that are there to teach you songs. There's plants that are there for physical healing, certain physical things, certain spiritual things, plants that make you vomit and you can call on their spirit to, to make somebody purge in the ceremony. It's a million different things, not a million, but there's thousands of different plants, thousands of different reasons why you would diet them.
3: So in over the course of three months, um, how many plants will you diet with? That's a good question. That's up to our teacher. It's up to <laughs> okay. Ron. We there don't know what ways. we're
2: doing. We'll just go down there, and he'll say, "Okay, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to." Usually, do
1: this. with the diets, something something usually happens. It's very strange to to say and maybe accept, but it's true. Uh, usually, about two weeks before our diets, some crazy shit will happen that will come up that will force us to be like, "Oh shit!" Like. I need to work on this. And it's, it's really like abrupt and you can't ignore it. So when that happens, that's usually about the time we'll call Ron and say, all right, this is what we got. So then he can prescribe basically a plant that we're working with. Okay. Yeah.
0: Three months.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So it'll be a series of that to answer your question. uh, It'll be a series of, of like seven day, 15 day, 30 day, uh, diets with, with different plants. So we don't know exactly how many or what, or, or any of that really, uh, we'll probably know in about a week or two when the shit hits the fan. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: with that, let's transition in the time that we have left to kind of give, give people insight into the ceremony and what it actually looks like. And I think one of the things that, um, you just kind of sparked in my mind is that, um, it, it, it kind it, it kind of does start with intentions because I know uh, all of the guidance that you provide on your website and all the, the the prep that you send to us. Um, you you talk about intentions, but then once you get down there, um, you make it abundantly clear that uh, Mother Ayahuasca she's going to listen to you, but she's going to give you what she knows you need versus what you what you may think you need. So um, let's kind of take the ceremony start start to finish. Um, starting with just setting the intentions and then, you know, what that ceremony looks like. And by the way, I'm just going to add in, I can't imagine experiencing this without a shaman, without the four of you there and, and without the, the I I just, I can't imagine an experience like that because that having, having you guys there and then having all the songs and the chanting and the music, um, just really made for a robust experience that made sure we got out of it as much as we possibly could. So I just can't imagine not not doing it that way. And I just, you guys are phenomenal at it. So let's let's go ahead and start there. Set with the intentions and just walk us through the ceremony.
2: You, well, go ahead. Okay, so um, the ceremonies start with Matthew preparing the space using Mapacho, which is like a raw jungle tobacco. It's a plant that he has dieted um, and has developed a relationship with that spirit of that plant. So he works with that first to prepare the space and make sure that it's clear. And maybe he can tell you more about that process, but then, um, You know, we start everybody with a introductory dose. You know, we have to approach ayahuasca is very, very powerful. um, And some people have varying degrees of sensitivity. So we have to approach it in the beginning slow and responsibly so that, you know, we can we can build. We can always drink more. We can't take it out once it's in. So everybody starts with a half a cup. And when I say a cup, I mean about a shot glass. Um, and then we sit together in silence for about 15 to 20 minutes. And then Matt and I and our helpers sing a song together to, um, to start the ceremony. And then from there, Matt just takes us on a journey (laughs) through a number of different instruments, um, so I'll let you talk a little bit about what you used to sing and play. Yeah.
1: So the, the songs that I sing, uh, some of them come from my teacher and his teacher taught us a few songs. Um, and But mo- most of the, the songs that I sing, they come to me in the moment. So I, I have no idea what's going to come out. I just open my mouth and... Uh, the best thing kind I can do is just get out of the way and let ayahuasca come through and do whatever she wants to do. That's where those songs come from. Well, I feel like I just kind of allow her to use me basically for for four hours uh, as a as a way to a physical way to express the, the sound. So the through that the songs, I, you know, I drink at every ceremony, so I I get very sensitive to what's going on in the room, and through my feelings, it depends uh, determines what kind of comes out. So,
0: can we return back to that smoke ceremony and talk a little bit more about sure. just why why we start with that and and what it's really doing for for those that are participating in the ceremony? And why
1: with it? Yeah, so tobacco is a is a very powerful uh, teacher plant. Um Some would say the original uh, plant medicine, and some also say that that's how they that's the, the, when I said that the plants told them how to make ayahuasca, that it was tobacco, specifically that told them through visions that they they had with working with tobacco. So it's a very, very powerful plant that is used in conjunction with ayahuasca a lot. It's a really, it has a very masculine energy. Some people call it like a a grandfather type of feeling. Um, So it's it's used for a few different reasons. One is to clean a space and prepare for a ceremony. Also spirits like the smell of tobacco. So it invites good spirits into the space before the ceremony. Um, And then also... As you guys uh, remember, at the end of the ceremony, uh, it's used to, to close you up when you drink ayahuasca. You guys already heard this spiel, so I'm sorry. I'll say again. <laughs> <You're> uh, <fine. laughs> when you drink ayahuasca, it opens you up to have these experiences with these spirits and other dimensions. Um, and the ceremonial space is a place of protection. Uh, we are protected uh, by the diets that me and Janae continue to do. The, the plants that we work with. So it's very important that when you leave that space of protection and you have drank ayahuasca already, you're very susceptible and you're very open. So when you leave, that needs to be closed up before you leave the space. So that's what the, we blow smoke on your head, your back in the front on your hands, and then you wash yourself with the smoke at the end.
3: I can attest to the, uh, the usefulness of the, the mapacha. I, I don't know if you guys recall, um, the, the second ceremony, I was kind of on the cusp, and then um, I mentioned that there was this overwhelming smell, and um, and that's when everything took off. And I remember in the, the share circle, Matt was like, oh, yeah, that was tobacco water. like it, yeah. And, and, and it, it totally worked. Like it, As soon as I smelled that, um, that's when everything started happening. Yeah. And, and I, I suspect that was a little bit of reading the room, right? Yeah,
1: very. Yeah, I use it for like I said, a lot of different reasons—protection, defense—and yeah, I use the tobacco water too. If I maybe sometimes, if I feel something that's maybe got a little weird energy in there, I'll use it to kind of shoo it away.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and very I um, in sharing the ceremony, or at least our ceremony experience, experiences with others, everybody, almost everyone's taken aback that they're like, "Oh, the, the shaman." and the helpers drink with you. Yeah. And, and, and and that's actually been one question that I've really kind of continued to struggle to answer is, is what's happening. Why, why are they drinking with you? I, so can you give us some insight as to why that's so important and actually what you're experiencing um, as a result of drinking with us?
1: Uh, yeah. So the, the reason why, um, There's a few different reasons. The the main reason is is to be able to guide uh, people through that space, you need to be in that space. (laughs) Otherwise makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) Um and yeah, it's just like I don't know. There's probably ten other things I would I would definitely rather be doing that night because ayahuasca, you know, it's sometimes it's very loving and caring and beautiful, but it's not the easiest thing you do. So um but it's important to do that. So it's a like, like I said, it's important to be in that space if, if I want to take you guys through that space. And also the helpers drink uh, smaller amounts so they can get connected to the ceremony, connected to what's going on in there, because that's how we, you know, we work with the ceremony and the spirits in there is by, by being in that space. And the way to do that is to, to drink ayahuasca.
2: Yeah, it really allows us to tap into what that energy is. And there's like, while ayahuasca is a very individual experience, it's also a collective experience, which is why we keep our groups small, because we do have to maintain that energetic space in regards to, you know, 14 to 16 people all processing. They're all having a re- an energetic release as well. You know, we all come here trying to either get rid of th- certain things or heal certain things. And so there's a lot of stuff happening in that space. And the way that we're or that Matt especially is able to, like you said, Brian, like, oh, I felt like that well, that was intentional. Like you knew when to put that tobacco water down. And the only way to be able to know when to do certain things or call in certain songs or call in certain spirits is by by living that experience with everybody else that's going through it.
0: Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. And I can only imagine the, the physical and mental toll that it, it, it takes on you guys to, to be experiencing what 14 people, other 14, other people are experiencing. Like for us as participants, yeah. we're just, it's our own individual experience, but it sounds mm-hmm. like that when you're in that space, you're absorbing all of the experiences of everyone. And then using that information to, you know, to just to decide how you move, move the ceremony forward.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a good thing. It's good for us though. It's, and then we, we always have the diets to clean ourselves. Uh, you know, all the stuff that sometimes we take on or don't take on, you know, the diets help to kind of dump all that. I also, surfing mm-hmm. <laughs> helps us to sure. Yeah.
2: It's got its own healing energy.
1: That's why we, we really, you know, like today's schedule, and this was around high tide because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's important for us to have an outlet to get rid of that, to get rid of some of that stuff.
3: And I think you guys left the retreat to go surf. Like the, yeah, the day probably. we left, I think you guys went surfing oh, that yeah. afternoon, I think.
2: Yeah. The day the retreat was over, that's usually first on our agenda as long as the time works out with the time. Yeah. So surfing is
0: just... kind of another form of purging, then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a way to like just dispel all that energy let the ocean take it away.
0: And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the purging. Um I I I laugh when I when I'm talking about it with other people. I've created a hierarchy of purging. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like that the the, the low, at the lowest level is the most pleasant is the yawning. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Right? that's the most pleasant. And then what we said the your nose running cuz you a lot the, that second ceremony your nose was running yeah. nonstop. And then let's see I think I did farting. No belching, (laughs) farting.
1: That's just not pleasant for the other people, (laughs) 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 right?
0: And then, um, um, shitting or shitting and then vomiting. And I, I guess there would probably be an argument as to which one's really the worst there. (laughs) But there's that hierarchy there. And I, um, um it I've noticed, i have noticed because i think at the end of the retreat i kept telling you guys like i'm trying to recreate this yawn like i can only yawn that way during the ceremonies yeah. it's like a, but, a whole
3: body yawn but Yeah, interestingly, it's like the
0: jaw comes out yeah. <laughs> yeah, It does. but you know interestingly as you guys have said to us you're not going to have you're not going to walk away having processed everything Right after the retreat that your learning yeah. is going to continue. And there have been a handful of nights where I've been in bed and maybe I'm meditating or maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just processing. And if there's a thought that comes that shouldn't be in my head or it's not a healthy thought, all of a sudden out of nowhere comes this big yawn. And I'm like, oh, there it was. And I was like, oh woman, what just left my what just left my body? Because I need to pay attention to that. Apparently it did yeah. not belong in there. Yeah. <laughs> So let's, let's talk a little the, bit about the purging process and why it plays such an important part, um, a, 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 an important role in the ceremony and what's really happening during that time.
1: I, I just want to point out, I'm sorry, not we can go back to that, but the, it's very interesting that you pointed out about the yawn and what's coming out. Because that's what people used to say, like, whenever, I don't know, 100, 200, 300 years ago, when you yawn and when you sneeze, that it's like a spirit jumping out of your body. It's true. Yeah. yeah, I really
0: did. During the ceremonies, I it is it, early on in the first ceremony. I, I clued in pretty quickly that that's what was happening because, um, you know, going into the first ceremony, neither one of us knew what to expect. And, and I'm not gonna, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was terrified. Right. I just I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I've never done anything like this before. So um, but I was doing my best not to think because I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to just relax, let it all go and not think. But as soon as the ayahuasca kicked in, my brain was like just overdrive, right? And yeah, all of perfect. a sudden I could see these thoughts, thought, 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 thought. And I was like, well, I can't help it. I'm going to process. I'm going to think. I'm going to think. I'm gonna think. And every time there was something that needed, I needed to let go of, immediately there was this yawn. And I could just feel yeah. it and, and somewhat <laughs> see it just going out, just, just leaving, just yeah. getting out of my body. And I'm like, okay. That must have been my cue that this is something that I need to let go of.
2: Well, you just perfectly described what the purges.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> letting
2: go. It's releasing. Really <laughs> I mean, we store we store stuff in our bodies in all different kinds of ways, whether that's energetically or physically. And you know, I know the purge is not something that m- most people look forward to, especially when they're coming to ayahuasca for the first couple of times, because. It's typically not a super pleasant experience. I
1: love it. It's my favorite part. Yeah, you
2: learn to like it because, (laughs) I, I mean, the actual purging part for me, I don't look forward to. I mean, I don't like it. But the feeling immediately after a really good purge is like the most euphoric, peaceful, like zen, all beautiful, encompassing moments that I've ever had on ayahuasca. It's always immediately following a really, really big and good, beautiful purge. (laughs) But in the ways that we, that we yawn or we cry or we laugh or we twitch or we move our bodies or we puke or we shit or, you know, any of those things, it's all the way that things are coming out of us. We're finding a way to release
0: and that, that is exactly, I would say for both, well, I'm not going to speak on your behalf, but for me, that felt, I felt like I just had two full ceremonies of just releasing, just let mm-hmm. letting so much go that I otherwise couldn't do on my own. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause kind of going back to that DMT, um, th- what I've read, and you guys obviously can s- speak to this better than I can, but there's a bit of ego suspension going on. Like, um, when you're in the in the ceremony and the ayahuasca is doing its work, it's taking your ego away so that you can actually go through the experience without any kind of self-judgment, mm-hmm. or at least that's what I felt like I was experiencing. Like I, um, I can beat myself up like no one else possibly can. Like I can be my world's worst critic, and then during the ceremony, it was like I could have all these thoughts, but I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't able to judge myself. While I was having these thoughts and, or experiencing emotions, there was no judgment there. And then all of a sudden, you know, whatever needed to go, the purge just made it go away.
1: It's nice. Yeah. It can go that way. I judge myself a lot in in ayahuasca though. So that can, it can go that way (laughs) too really hard and uncomfortably sometimes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it goes both ways. Yeah.
0: Now, is, that, is that judgment happening like while you're participating in an well, experience or while you're, you know, being the shaman and and facilitating it?
1: Yeah, it can, it can be, it can be both. I try um, not to let that stuff in while I'm leading ceremonies. I try to focus more on, on what's going on with the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes ayahuasca doesn't, you know, it's not my choice all the time. So Sometimes I, I need to be showing something so that it's going to come out whether I'm leading the ceremony or not. Yeah.
0: So when we, when we're sharing the ceremony with, with those that are listening, what else would you want to share about the ceremony or explain about the ceremony that would help people understand exactly what it is so that they could decide if it's something they would, that they might be right for them.
3: And, and, and maybe talk a little more about the ikeros and, and how you come up with those and, and, uh, elaborate on that a little bit
1: well yeah I can I can start there and then I'll let you take it from there the ikaro, so yeah like I said there my teacher teaches me some and then some just come like in in that moment from from the medicine so just the, the, depends on what's happening in the room the the what I feel and based on my feelings uh, a song will come out and I feel like it usually almost always pertains to what is happening in the room with somebody or multiple people. So that's, that's how the music comes to me. Um, and then what was the, what was, what was the other ones? The ceremony? You tell me what were the other few things? Go
3: ahead. No, I, I stacked on your question. Oh, OK. So.
0: Well, just um, in, in talking about the ceremony from start to finish, what have we left out or what have we not discussed that you definitely want to make sure is out there for for those that are really trying to understand?
2: Well, um, I think we covered a lot of it, but just just something to to be aware of that, like. Like you were saying, Sarla, it's hard, especially now where we're at, to ever imagine doing ayahuasca in a type of environment that isn't ceremonial. But there are places that do that and the ceremonial space is a very it's a special space, you know, and it's created with protection and with intention. These songs that Matthew and I have learned have been passed down through generations of teacher to student. And they serve a purpose. And sometimes they, their purpose is to get on our nerves, <laughs> to teach us a lesson, to be soothing, to be comforting, to, to make us purge, to create discomfort and movement in our bodies. There's a whole range um, of things that, that people experience within that space, but it is a space that we go through these experiences together. We always say at the start of our ceremonies, we we start together and we end together. Please don't leave unless you have to go to the bathroom, and then when you're done with the bathroom, you come back. Um, because, I just
1: I just want to add, and uh, just while it's on my mind, if you are considering an Ayahuasca uh, retreat or ceremony. Uh, whether it's at our place or somewhere else, uh, a very important thing to look for is if the person that's facilitating the ceremony is also participating. If they're not, to me, uh, and a lot of people that I know, that's a huge red flag if, if they don't. So just okay. one thing. If you're, you if you're likely it. to
3: be in the room with 40 people and listening to a CD also. Yeah. That, case, yeah. It's, and Yeah.
2: Uh, speaking of CDs, you know, the function of the icaros is to call in certain spirits. Like I said, there's songs that are for different things and maybe they affect different people in different ways. The same song somebody can hear and it's the most beautiful thing that they've ever heard in their entire life. While the person next to them thinks it's the most aggravating, annoying sound they've ever heard and they, they end up purging during it or something. But the point is that those ikaros call in spirits and the spirits are there to assist in the healing. And the spirits cannot communicate through a playlist or through a boom box or through a set list. And um, you know, that's not to say, like Matt said earlier, we've had beautiful experiences in that setting, but there is a reason that it is done the way that it's done and has been done for as far back as in history as we know, and that it's it's a really, really important element of the experience and I would never drink ayahuasca in any other way now knowing what I know now. And, um, I think, that, I think that's it. I think there was something else I was going to say, but now I can't remember what it was.
0: Well, if you remember it, you can pop back in with it. Right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> but uh, no, I would, I would agree. And you know what? The interesting thing was when we went into ceremony number two, I was expecting the same icaros, the same music, the same, and, and it wasn't and it didn't, it didn't take me very long to kind of clue in. I'm like, Ooh, this is a different night. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, I could tell there was a different level of intensity night two, just by the way that you guys were moving through the music and, and the, the, the instruments that you were playing, I could tell, I could tell that you were navigating it far differently than you did the, the previous ceremony. And, mm-hmm. and as you said, Janae, no set list, no playlist, no CD <laughs> is gonna do that for you. You need someone incredibly trained and experienced like you guys to be able to do that. Um now I have to tell you, it's not unusual every week, at least for, for me to walk through the house going
3: 999.
0: Nine, nine, nine. <laughs> And then he will belt out something like uh, you they, they do, and it just it makes me giggle, and it just takes us right back. And I'm like, I'm glad some of that has stuck with us, but we're still waiting yeah. on that TV that you promised us.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we I don't haven't done anything.
1: <laughs> Janae's gotta she she's gotta just like, well, you tracked it out already. I yeah. can, I'll, I'll send you guys. Yeah. I'll send you guys uh, at least a few minutes when we're, when yeah. we're done here. I promise. It's
2: Very poor recording with a lot of puking in the background. So that's yeah. all
3: right.
0: <laughs> never ever getting back to what, something that Matt said earlier. I never thought that I'd ever get to a place where I smiled when I heard people vomiting. Yeah. vomiting <laughs> and, um, I was I happy to hear people vomiting. Yeah. Get <laughs> yeah. it out. Get it out. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's wrap up our discussion because I know high tide, um, is, is in, uh, it's, there by now and you guys are ready to go out surfing but i I, we definitely have to answer this question because this has come up a lot in my conversations with other individuals as they say they will look at me and say should i do it and i immediately say i'm not answering that question you don't want me to answer that question and the worst possible reason you could do this is for fomo you need to be called to it so go and just explain to people how you would normally explain it if people are trying to decide is plant medicine for me
3: and, and there's a delineation too. Um, some of the people that we've talked with think that we went down there for recreation and, and I couldn't imagine going through ceremonies for recreation. Uh, does that come up a lot, too, as you answer Starla's question? Recreation, not so
1: much. I Me mean, hear about it once in a while. Every once in a while, we'll get like somebody who's been, uh, you know, going to AA or NA meetings for like twenty years, and they—that seems to be maybe a concern of those uh, those folks sometimes. Um, but uh, very quickly, once you once you drink it, you understand that 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 is not what it's sure. about. It doesn't take long. Um, And very simple answer is is if you don't feel like you have to do ayahuasca, then you probably shouldn't.
2: Matt and I actually talked because we knew this question was going to be coming because people always kind of ask, like, how do I know? And it's a difficult question to answer um, because, you know, obviously it's not for us to say or for anybody to say who should or should not drink ayahuasca outside of like, you know, the medical scope of safety. But I really think that, you know, ayahuasca should speak to you in some kind of way. Like you should, I I think it's just something that, you know, when you hear about it or when you see about it or you meet somebody that's done it, it's almost like a little spark goes off inside where you're like, Ooh, what's that? I need to do that. Or I want to do that. And not like, You know, you have somebody in your family who's like, this is going to help you. You need to do this. It's going to change. It's You know, you need to look at yourself kind of thing. Or We get
1: a lot of that. We get a lot of like husbands or wives or mothers or fathers calling about their daughters or sons or husbands or wives that they need to do this. They need this. They need that. But that, no, it's if you feel like you, you need to drink ayahuasca, then you should drink ayahuasca. If you don't, then you shouldn't
3: very simple. It's pretty simple. (laughs) So definitely
0: not something that you do because somebody tells you to do it and definitely not something you do for fun or just out of FOMO.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: If you do it for fun, like I said, you will quickly realize you were uh, sorely mistaken and you will probably not have a great experience.
3: Back to being humbled by. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And also I feel like you shouldn't Um, I don't know. I was going to say that you shouldn't do it because you expect to get what somebody else might have gotten from it. Because as ayahuasca is like getting a little bit more recognized and becoming a little bit more mainstream and there's more, you know, people of status or of celebrity that have done it, people are hearing these stories and saying, oh, well they did this and then got this result. So I'm going to do that and get that result. But that, you know, you have to do it for your own reasons. And obviously there's an intention guiding everybody, but um, I don't know, I guess just to really, to, to really feel if you feel connected to it and ask yourself if you're just doing it because somebody else did it.
1: There are many ways to, to achieve healing. Ayahuasca is not the only way. So if, like I said, again, it just comes down. To if you feel like you should, then you should. And if not, then then maybe there's another way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. Thank yep. you. So anything else that we should have touched on today that we didn't or anything else that you would definitely want to, to share with our listeners um, to make sure that they um, fully understand what the ayahuasca experience is all about and have the information they need to, to make that decision?
1: Mm, yeah, just make sure you do your research if you're thinking about it. Mm. Uh, Google's always good to Google the names of the people that, that you're going to, not just look on their website and you know, I, ayahuasca's uh, unfortunately there's some people that work with ayahuasca that are hmm, yeah. in it for different reasons. And so just it's very important that you know who you're who you're drinking with.
2: Yeah. Due diligence. You have the responsibility of making sure that you end up at a place that is safe and supportive to your experience. And just because somebody has a nice website or because they're well-ranked or this thing or that thing doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be the best experience for you. And that also is true to us. Our retreat is not going to be the best retreat potentially for everybody. I mean, there's a, a, a so many different factors that have to be considered when choosing a place, so but it is the person's responsibility to, and it's to do, do it's important to dive
1: deep and make sure that you have... Uh, that you're, you're being guided by your instinct in which way to go.
0: Yep. And I think that that was, that was true for us when we decided, because we had been talking about it for, for at least a year, if not more than that, I was going
3: to say three or four years. Yeah.
0: (laughs) When we pulled the trigger, we knew we were like, I was like, yes, press send. Press send right now. We're ready. Um, and so one of the things I want to point out for our listeners, too, is that you guys are available to, to chat with. Um, I, you got, What I love about you guys is that you're so down to earth. Um, you don't put on any kind of of a show for anyone. You are who you are, and it makes it so easy to talk with you in a way to get your questions answered and to decide whether or not you, you know you feel comfortable doing this. So you guys are always available to have conversations with people before they make the commitment, right? Yep,
3: absolutely. absolutely. But, well, that's how it has to be, correct? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I always want to talk to everybody on the phone before they come. It's important that we. Not only that you know who you're drinking with, but that we know who we're drinking with.
3: Yeah. And
2: I'm the other thing, Brian, just like you mentioned earlier, that um, mm-hmm. nobody should be selling you to, on this experience. Anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you if you call someplace and you get a hard sales tactic, you should very seriously question their motivations. Great. Because, point. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And
0: you guys never did that.
3: No, like I Never, said, man, it ever. was, it, it was more like you were talking us out of it. Um, yes. Cause it, it, and, uh, Matt, you'll recall uh, our conversation. I, I was kind of excited and, you know, running through the meds I was on and he's like, well, you can't come. <laughs> uh, you're on, you're on blood pressure meds. And I was like, holy shit. That means Starla can't go. So, um, oh, I,
0: I could have still went. <laughs> well,
3: yeah. but, uh, I, I think that was, that was February maybe. And yeah, I was like, I don't know, I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm, I'm going and I'm going to participate. I'm off the blood pressure meds and, and um, started hitting the cardio and, and that all worked out. But yeah, it, it definitely wasn't salesy. You guys were great. And, 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 and there was just something about that initial conversation. I could tell you were honest. I could tell that, that it was the right place. And, and I had to figure out how to get down there and be safe through the ceremony. Awesome. Glad
1: you guys made it.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I will make sure in the show notes, uh, there's a link to all the ways to find you out there on the good old internet. We'll make sure your website's out there and all your social media. Um, you. So that uh, those that do want to reach out to you and have a conversation um, can do that. So again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for all of the work that you guys are doing. And Brian and I most certainly look forward to seeing you in November. Nice to at- you.
3: Yes,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll have lots of stories for you. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Imagine,
3: can't wait to catch up. Yeah, thank yeah, you again for too. having us on, on the podcast.
0: Guys. Hey there, my awesome listeners. Thanks a bunch for hanging out with me today for another great episode of Help Me Think. I want to give a big shout out to our amazing title sponsor, Business Furniture and Company. They make this podcast possible and I'm super grateful for their support. As always, you can find all the links and the free worksheet I mentioned in the show notes over at StarlaWest.com forward slash podcast. Do not miss out on that bonus material. Now, let's talk about how you can help me keep the show going strong. It's simple. Hit that subscribe button on my YouTube channel. Subscribing there is a super easy way to show your love and support for the podcast. But wait, there's more. You can also subscribe to Help Me Think on Spotify, Apple, and Google. We're everywhere, so you'll never miss an episode. Got some burning questions or maybe some super cool ideas for future guests? I am all ears. Just head on over to StarlaWest.com forward slash podcast and drop your thoughts in the comment section. I can't wait to hear from you and I would love to connect. While you're hanging out on my website, do not forget to sign up for your no cost online account. By doing that, you'll be the first to know about all the awesome free resources, upcoming events, online courses, and new products I'm cooking up just for you. All right, folks, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host, Starla West, and I can't wait to catch you next time on Help Me Think. Stay curious and keep those brilliant ideas flowing. I'll see you soon.